here we go. The Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I'm Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show. Thrilled you are here. Just breaking the three-year anniversary mark of my podcast. Thankful that you've been supporting the show for this long. Again, if you enjoy the show, as always, please share it with your friends. I say that a lot, but it's really helpful. Maybe write a review on iTunes. Maybe reach out via Instagram, social media, and ask questions, say hello. This podcast, I'm getting uh, car horns going off in the background to celebrate the three years. You know, this podcast has sort of ebbed and flowed. I'm not recording as many podcasts right now just because I'm really thinking a lot about time. And to me, my creative pursuit of writing music and brainstorming potentially a new book is is taking a bit of a priority over recording the podcast. Uh, but I, I have been stewing on this episode today that I'm about to release, obviously, with you for quite some time. And I, I haven't really known how to articulate my thoughts on the system of health. And I, I have said that word system a few times over some recent podcasts. And I think it's important for me, after dealing with a couple health issues over the last couple months, to record this podcast. And, you know, if you've been listening for my sh- to my show for a couple of years, there was about a six-month period where I was speaking pretty disparagingly towards the way our culture handled COVID-19. And I often had a bit of hesitancy of uh, had a bit of hesitancy and anxiety around some of those podcasts because my views and opinions went against the grain of salt, went against the narrative. I mean, the narrative was this is a serious illness. Everybody needs to do their part to take this experimental vaccine, and if you're not, you're a you're, for lack of a better word, you're a bad person. You're um, a MAGA Republican. You're a Trump supporter. You're selfish. You're part of the problem. Vitriol was was spewed against people like me who didn't go along with the narrative. And of course, part of me often wondered if if I was sharing uh, misleading or falsified information. If, the, if there was sort of any negligence on my part, if somebody uh, believed what I was saying out there. Uh, but I think it's become abundantly clear, abundantly clear over the last three to six months that things that I said, uh, that Alex Berenson said, that Joseph Arthur has said on my podcast and on his show, that unless you're obese over the age of 65, 70, um this this illness really is is not going to prove dramatic harm or or add any sort of be a health risk to the vast majority of the population and and I sort of felt that way for the entire time and when I saw the way that Dr. Fauci would go on television every day warning people the 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 only way out of this mess is to get the vaccine 
And then when you start seeing the connections, the nefarious evil connections between the pharmaceutical and political industries, uh, and even the pharmaceutical industry's connection with the entertainment industry and how so many of these shows are being sponsored by pharmaceutical industries, you realize that these are all systems. And I know this can sound dark and draconian and, and very evil, but if the systems in place are all about, at all costs, getting as much money as possible, then you start to ask yourself, do they really care about your health? Do they really care about my health? And I've been talking about this word system lately a lot, about the healthcare system. And it is this money-making machine. When I was young and naive, and I was 12, and I was 17 and 18, and then got sick again at 24, when I had all those years of, of bad health, I think back to all the doctors that I saw. And it wasn't until I saw a doctor when I was 24. Up until that point, every solution was to take a pill or get a shot. There was never a discussion about other alternatives, acupuncture, homeopathic medicine, seeing a therapist, meditation. These were never considered. And it's frustrating to me to think that these, it's, we've been brainwashed. We have been led to believe that doctors in the medical industry, in the pharmaceutical industry, has our best interests. Now, there are clearly some fantastic doctors that are brilliant. I just had a wisdom tooth pulled from an oral surgeon. It's been two days, and the pain is virtually gone. Of course, I'm taking antibiotics right now because he suggested it. I don't want to get an infection. Clearly, some of these doctors are miracle workers. But I, I, I've had it with this belief I've had it with doctors where you suggest that maybe I should try going to an acupuncturist or go consider a supplement, and they think that you're a wacko because you don't want to take a prescription med, or their feeling is it's not going to work, or if it does work, it's just a placebo effect. We have been led down this path of, of believing that they have the answer, they being the doctors have the answers, for far too long. And the problem is, is then when somebody like me or Joseph Arthur or Alex Barrison comes out and brings up different perspectives, we are considered the wackos. We are considered the dangerous ones. But these systems aren't getting to the root of the problem. They're putting a Band-Aid on the problem. That's what the vaccine was. The vaccine was a Band-Aid. For years, when I was dealing with autoimmune condition, I was given prednisone, cortisone, 50, 60 milligrams. I was given shots of prednisone. These were all Band-Aids. There was never an exploration into my metabolism, my frame of mind, my anxiety levels, what was causing my body to react this way. Anxiety is creating so many of the issues today. And the way that Dr. Fauci was going on television, the way that CNN was doing these running tabulations of numbers of people that were dying, this was all creating anxiety. The vaccine was a Band-Aid. 
And we were being lied to incessantly for years. Watch the show Dope Sick on Hulu. That will give you just one example of the corruption and the nefarious tendencies of the pharmaceutical industry. And again, individually, there are great examples where doctors and pharmaceutical medications can help you. And, and, and I think if they work with Eastern medication if they, or, or Eastern medicine, if, you, if they work hand in hand, if you go to an acupuncturist, if you go to a chiropractor, if you meditate, try different alternative therapies, modalities, I think the two can work beautifully together. But if you are only going to one system, the Western system, if you're only going to a doctor, if you suggest a supplement and the doctor basically says, I, I don't think that's going to work. I mean, you could try it, but you're going to be back here in six months and I'm going to be giving you a prescription medication. The, 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 the quick fix, the the ease in which doctors just write these prescription meds as the only way to make you or help you feel better, that system is broken. I have to play you a few clips this week from a recent Barry Weiss podcast, also a podcast from Bill Maher a few weeks ago that touches on all of these elements. And I'm just reminded, you know, I'll, actually I'll share an anecdote after I play this clip for you. So let me start off by playing... A powerful clip from a recent Barry Weiss podcast, Eating Ourselves to Death. Wow. It's with Dr. Casey Means, a Stanford-trained physician who left the traditional medical system behind to solve the one problem that she says is going to ruin us all, bad food. And that's, that's the, the red flag of COVID. If we knew and know that obesity, diabetes, um, People that have are, are people that are obese or have diabetes were at higher risk to getting COVID. The band-aid is the vaccine. All these 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 moments when Joe Biden and Fauci are saying, you get the vaccine, you're not gonna get COVID. Now clearly that's not the case. And and clearly, I'm not saying that that was a nefarious lie, but if if they would have added on these these statements of, okay. Get the vaccine, but then also speak to your doctor about what you can do to lose weight, what you can do to eat better, what you can do to add more fiber and fruits and vegetables and, uh, to your diet. Because those people that eat better, that are active every day, those types of people are at much, much less risk of getting seriously sick from COVID. So let me play you this clip of Dr. Casey Means from the Barry Weiss podcast. Was developing some high blood pressure. You just had this like laundry list of conditions, which most patients end up coming in with this just laundry list. So overall, she had seen 11 different doctors, limited communication between them, 11 separate treatment plans, way more than 11 medications, and showed up to my office with like a five inch stack of like faxed chart notes. And Success criteria from the standpoint of my department and the hospital would be to get her in and out of my exam room in 15 minutes, stay on schedule, that she has a new medication, and that I have a Loctite chart note that showed I'd done 
an appropriate physical exam that we could bill for, ordered some additional tests, and had ruled out any immediately life-threatening conditions like a brain tumor that were causing her headaches. But there was no imperative, no incentive, and definitely no time or training for me to figure out how all these symptoms she had might be connected or how to fundamentally restore her health and well-being. And so this is probably obvious to anyone listening, but it is definitely not taught in medical school, is that this woman was probably not suffering from 11 different things, but that her conditions were probably in some way related. And I just cannot overemphasize how this is not at all how we're taught to think in American medicine. And to make connections or think about shared physiology of symptoms across the body is actually antithetical to our system, which is based on billing codes for individual maladies and symptoms, not for root cause connections between these things. You can't even code in the chart for shared physiology between diseases. So you're literally actually systematically forced in your documentation to think of the body as a million separate silos and not as a system. And that simple fact of us not learning to connect the dots between different symptoms and conditions is going to ruin us. So just to be clear, you're in your ninth year of your medical training, right? And you need 10 years. You're six months away, as I understand it, from finishing your surgical residency when you quit. So you must have been seeing things that really alarmed you to basically say, screw that investment of my entire adult life. I got to pivot and do something else. That's exactly right. You know, I really had a wake-up call where I realized, and, and this patient is really an example of that, of like, I don't know why she's sick. I mean, I knew how to take a history, do labs, diagnose her, give her a label for what was going on, attach the right medication to that, choose the right surgical intervention. Absolutely knew how to do that, knew how to do the operations, but I did not have a clue what was actually causing her to be sick in her body. And that seemed like a big problem. And that was really a wake-up call. And I just, you know, I said, I'm not cutting into more people or prescribing more and more endless medications until I figure out what's really going on in the increasingly, rapidly increasingly, chronically ill American body. And hmm. Powerful. I think listening to this podcast... I can't help but reflect back upon when there was that six-month period where doctors had no idea what was wrong with me. And they're all taking blood and pick, uh, pricking my finger every other week, trying to figure it out. I'm going to this doctor and that doctor. They're ruling out leukemia and this and that. And I felt like a, like a, a lab rat. And, and they have all these medical books and these policies to follow, and they have these diagnoses, and they have these, these codes, um, and they eventually came up with a diagnosis where, you know, my blood work fit into this code. But then all it is is, is take a pill and take medication and, and try to get the inflammation to go down, and as I'm... I'm dealt with a new health issue a couple months ago, and, and there was some similar goings-on where I was asked to go to get, to get an MRI and more blood work. I, I just, I really have been reflecting back about, reflecting back upon my early days and in my early 20s about how 
broken this system of medicine is. And we have been led to believe that the system in place is efficient and is, is aimed at making us healthier. And I really believe the opposite may be true. And I think there's some important points here that I need to make before I continue and make sure I say these. You know, it's, it's scary when you don't feel well. It's scary when you're given potentially bad news about your body because you often feel fantastic and then you do maybe your, your regular checkup or get some blood work done and something comes back that's unusual and I think it makes sense then to sort of dive deeper, uh, potentially, to get an answer, to add some clarity. But there is something to be said about going down these rabbit holes of more tests and sort of the mental implications that process uh the mental, impl- the mental implications of going through that process of, of trying to find out the answer. Because it often will just add a level of anxiety waiting for test results. And I'm not suggesting that you just put your head in the clouds and hope that you know everything ends up okay without doing anything if, in fact, you do have a result that potentially may require you to dive a little deeper into what's going on. But I think the system of, of healthcare and pharmaceutical industries, I think they're taking advantage of people's laziness, our, our willingness to just trust what doctors say. Um, because I think it, it, is, it takes a lot of work to be your own doctor, quote unquote. And I'm not suggesting that you go to medical school, but there are other people that can raise your awareness, that can increase your level of knowledge when it comes to your own body. I mean, you are your best doctor. You know when you feel right. You know when you don't feel well. At least you should be able to. Maybe you're just so preoccupied with work, family, that being your own doctor doesn't interest you. And and maybe you would rather just trust the doctor, take the pills, and go on with your daily life. We need to be more proficient and also more engaged in our own body's health. And, and this is not an attack saying that, you know, individually all physicians are bad, but knowing that the pharmaceutical industry is tied in with doctors and their diagnoses and codes and getting you to take medication, when money is involved, it blurs the lines. And it's, it's this, ironically, I'm recording this podcast the day after Joe Biden was on 60 Minutes last night saying that the COVID pandemic is quote unquote over. And then of course, White House officials are taking those words back and saying that's not necessarily the case. This pandemic, if, if it wasn't so clear, if, if it's not clear to you by now that, that calling that a pandemic, calling that an emergency was crucial, was vital, 
because it allowed certain entities and corporations to then bank off of that quote-unquote emergency, make money from it, create fear, instill fear in our society. There is a constant state of fear that they want you to feel. And, And I guess I'm here suggesting a state of empowerment, a state of curiosity to become more engaged with your own body, to rewire your brain, to trust other options, to not just run to the doctor. I, I don't want to share too much, but I guess I'm, I'm very hypersensitive to this whole thing because I consider myself to be pretty, pretty healthy. I eat very well. There's always some little fine-tuning going on that I can do, but generally pretty healthy. And I had, a, I had blood work done a couple months ago, and a blood result came back for a type of cancer that was a bit, for potentially could have been cancerous. The number was a bit elevated. So um, one of my doctors said, you know, let's just, let's just do this blood test in about six weeks because often there's so many um, potential reasons that could, have, that, that could raise that number. So let's come back a month later, do the test again. But I spoke to another doctor, a friend of mine, who was saying, you need to go get a second opinion right now. You need to see a specialist. And that right away, hearing that, turned on the anxiety in my system. So, I, I, of course, I make an appointment with a specialist, find out that everything is probably okay, but then he wants me to do an MRI, and the MRI comes back where it's, it's a bit inconclusive. And then my specialist doctor says, um, let's just wait and see. And then I have another friend, another doctor of mine who's saying, you know, no, we should be more investigated. Let's, let's get it, go in and dive in deeper. And it's sort of like, that's the thing. I trusted my one doctor, but then I speak to a friend of mine who's also a doctor, and they're much more cautious, uh, cautionary, and more anxiety-provoking. And then I suggest taking some supplements, and both doctors think that you know you could try, but I can't imagine they're going to help. Of course, I speak to an acupuncturist who starts helping me immediately, and I suggest supplements to him, and he right away thinks they're a great idea. And sure enough, over the last month, I'd say my symptoms have gone down by about 80, 90 percent. It's, it's just a strange world to live in the world of Western medicine and and sort of the system in which they work. And I really think, have we all been misled? Is the system of healthcare, the pharmaceutical industry, so powerful, so led by so much money and so many doctors, you know, have medical bills, um, loans to pay, and they're obviously competing with the health insurance industry system because a lot of times what they charge patients, they don't get that money from the patients because the health insurance industry ultimately decides how much they should be charging. And so if all these thousands, hundreds of thousands of doctors have loans to pay, bills to pay, you know, how is the system affecting them if they are 
stuck in the mud, high rent, constantly pharmaceutical reps are feeding them and suggesting that they offer more drugs and they're going to be getting more money if they feed these drugs to more patients. There's definitely major conflicts of interest. I just read a fantastic article in the New Yorker just yesterday came out called Damages about Johnson and Johnson and the talcum powder um, mystery where a lot of people were getting cancer. And it seems like the cause was talcum powder. And this article is about the not only the nefariousness, if there's such a word, of Johnson and Johnson, but sort of the hoops and the twists and turns that they went through to file bankruptcy so they no longer had to pay any damages to people filing lawsuits against Johnson & Johnson. The article is called Damages. It's in this week's New Yorker with Queen Elizabeth on the cover. I highly suggest you listen to, or I highly suggest you read it. So I'm I'm reading a fantastic book from Ross Duthat. (laughs) Ruining the pronunciation. Um... He's a New York Times author, but he's also, uh, he's a New York Times writer, but he also wrote a book about his experience with Lyme disease and uh, sort of the process of, of coming to better health. The book is called The Deep Places. He was just on the Bill Maher show. I haven't finished the book, but it's fantastic so far. I'm about a third of the way through. So let me play you this sort of lengthy clip and then I'll let you go. And it's never popular. People want to believe that the doctors are a priesthood in their white coats and they have all the answers. And you're just living proof of what I've been trying to tell them. I don't, I don't think that necessarily they're corrupt, although there is some of that. They just don't know a lot. So here's your statement. You said, I very quickly entered a world where the official medical consensus had little to offer me. I was only only outside that consensus among Lyme disease doctors whose approach to treatment lacked any CDC or FDA imprimatur that I found real help and real hope. What did they know that the other doctors didn't? So basically, they knew that there's sort of a standard way that you get Lyme disease, which is true of many illnesses, and medicine in its sort of great successes, which I'm not, you know, I'm not here to criticize, is built on figuring out what the standard case is and treating that case. And with Lyme disease, the standard case is you get a, a bullseye rash around where the tick goes in, you, you get a positive blood test, you take two weeks of antibiotics, you're better. And for about 70% of people who get Lyme disease, that's what happens. Um, and then there are the other exciting cases, like like myself, <laughs> in which the right. the sort of easy answer doesn't work, and you, it's not just that you have to sort of go outside the consensus; you have to experiment. And this is something, you know, this was I guess four years before COVID gave us, you know, a kind of crash course on what it means to have a disease that nobody has encountered before. But basically, when you're in that thirty percent of any given disease that doesn't fit inside the box, you have to both find doctors in strange places and you have to sort of become your own doctor and sometimes do very right. strange things to yourself. What strange things did you do to yourself? You know, I uh, lay, lay on tables and let chiropractors put magnets all over my body. 
Um, I bought a machine called a rice machine that looked right. like a computer in a 1980s movie, a sort of weird science kind of computer that supposedly generates uh, vibrations that shatter bacteria. And, you know, as I describe it, and this is something I try and do in the book, you know, when you, when you have an illness like this, you do things, and while you're doing them, you think to yourself, well, this is obviously crazy. And then sometimes they do nothing, and so, but sometimes they actually do help you and help you get better. And for me, it was the weird stuff and taking six years' worth of antibiotics, which I finally stopped taking about a year ago, and I'm 95% better, and, you know, here I am with you. Yeah. yeah, and again, it's interesting. I think an important point here, he does mention that he took antibiotics in addition to doing all these other um, health modalities, and I think that's important. You know, I'm not here bashing... Um, some of the healthcare industry's products and some of the doctors, and I had oral surgery, and and the doctor was fantastic. And um, I think, though, to Bill Maher's point at the very beginning, this 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 priesthood, the way that we elevate um, the priesthood of medicine, and it's it's something that I think needs to be looked at further. And looked at with a raised eyebrow and questioned. Sure, they may have gone to medical school for four years, eight years, and, and they know a lot about the biology of the human body, the molecules and 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 blood tests, and and sure that can be very helpful to a degree. But because you come up with certain systems or symptoms, because you go to the doctor with particular symptoms, they are immediately going to go down a path because they assume that you fit in like all the other people that you have before. And their method is to prescribe medication. And unfortunately, a lot of those medications have side effects. And I think a lot of what I dealt with in my 20s and 30s, even early 40s, was potentially because I took so many pharmaceutical medications as a kid, uh, specifically steroids and prednisone, and there are side effects. And ironically, it wasn't until therapy, yoga, meditation, swimming, eating better in my mid-20s to late-20s where I miraculously, quote-unquote, went off of all of my medication and I've been off all my medication for over 20 years. And I think it's, it's my due diligence in looking at other alternatives it's being open to different modalities, believing that they actually work, as I, through my experience, I think they have. And I think it's very important to have that attitude and perspective towards your own body. It's weird. It's, 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 it's definitely laziness. People unwilling to go online, look for an acupuncturist or look for an osteopath or look for a therapist, you know, then seeing if the therapist fits into your health insurance system, finding a new doctor is very hard. I, I get that. But I think it's a better alternative to just believing and trusting and just going to your doctor and taking a pill. Got a couple more podcast guests lined up. David Ben Simon should be going live later this week. 
Uh, he's an astrologer, a friend of mine here in LA. It's, I thought it was a fantastic chat. So that'll go live in the next few days. You know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My latest book is available on Amazon or by visiting ssafyoga.com. And please write a review on iTunes for the show. Maybe share the show with your friends. As always, thanks so much for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Thank you.